here in the U.S. due to the federal state conflict that exists and the fact that cannabis is still considered a Schedule One substance, Visa and MasterCard have been very, very clear, American Express as well, that they will not process cannabis payment. So there is no legal and compliant traditional credit card processing for cannabis. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Cannabis is a beast when it comes to its process complexity. Also, the ever-changing regulatory compliance and reporting increase the challenges. The critical process of cannabis is seed to sale that starts with the grower facility where every plant needs to be tracked. And then as cannabis moves through the processing stages where even multiple companies could be involved such as growers and extraction facilities, the reporting requirements are still the same with tight yield and waste reporting regulations. The moisture content makes it even more challenging similar to catch weight in the food and beverage industry. But what are the best practices of the seed to sale process and how can companies scale without getting in legal trouble? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss seed to sale business processes and best practices. We covered many grounds including the scope, process boundaries, payment issues, regulatory and compliance requirements in the US as well as Canada. Finally, we discussed the system communication issues, the specialized systems that are going to be required to meet the needs of the cannabis industry and why the APIs may not be the solution to meet your integration and compliance challenges. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to digital transformation and we always have a very exciting panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. For today, we have a very exciting topic and the panel from a very unique industry, cannabis. That's going to be yeah. super, super exciting to discuss. All right, guys. So, uh, yeah. So for today, we are talking about seed to sale, and that's going to be a very exciting topic. Uh, we are going to be covering this from many different perspectives. So we are going to be starting with everybody's intro. I am going to start with my intro, followed by all the panelists. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. And I am principal at Elevate IQ. I have been leading ERP and digital transformation engagements for roughly, what, 20 years. And uh, cannabis is obviously the, the topic that is going to be near and dear to my heart. And as part of Elevate IQ, we are the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting at Elevate IQ. Our focus is going to be on the business process re-engineering, system procurement, system selection, and ERP implementation. On that note, I am going to ask Chris to introduce next. Thanks, Sam. Chris Giardini. Hi, I'm the president and owner of Turnkey Technologies. Uh, we've been implementing Microsoft Dynamics ERP and CRM solutions for 27 plus years. So appreciate the opportunity to talk about this topic. It's a great one. So for the conversation. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Dave, can I move to you next for your intro? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting company working with manufacturing, construction, and cannabis companies to help them develop and leverage the planning people process and technology needed to grow. So thank you for having me, Sam. Excited for this conversation. I'm super excited as well. Thank you so much for being here. Jessica, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? 
Thanks, Sam, and uh, I'm just so pleased to be here with my esteemed colleagues. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am the CEO and chair of Akerna, uh, and Akerna is a technology ecosystem for the cannabis industry, providing seed to sale, track and trace, ERP, compliance, payments, and consulting. Uh, quite literally, the cannabis economy runs on Akerna. It's going to be so much fun discussing with you. Thank you so much for being here, Jessica. Kerrigan, can I ask you to introduce yourself next, if you don't mind? Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Kerrigan Morris. I'm the president and founder of Smart Business Consultancy, uh, mostly into the lab testing facilities right now where I do process re-engineering, ERP implementations, system implementations, and so on. I've been in the business for approximately seven years within the lab industries, which is mainly geared at nicotine, food and supplements, dietary supplements, cosmetics, cannabis, and so on and so forth. My work spread across Canada and U.S. right now, U.S. being the primary, Canada being the sub, and we're getting there. All right, amazing. And love the depth of this panel. This is going to be so much fun for all of us. Thank you so much for being here, Kerrigan. Uh, Abu, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Uh, thanks, Sam. My name is Abu Bakar Asif, and I lead the group here at Pani. Uh, we are a systems uh, provider for the cannabis extraction and the retail space specifically. Uh, we have been involved with the cannabis world, you know, pretty much since its inception. Uh, overall, you know, we have been in business over the last 12 years and provide solutions for the food and beverage, chemicals, and um, general manufacturing industry. All right, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Abu. So we are going to dig right into the topic. But before we do that, if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys are going to be commenting. We are going to be covering your comments during the show. And if you cannot get to them, if you run out of time, our panelists are going to make sure that they are responding to you for your. So we are going to open up our first segment with the first question with Chris. And that is going to be our standard question for this series. That is going to be just the scope of the seed to sale process. What are going to be different process touch points that we have in the process? How many roles are going to be involved? And uh, the overall scope of the process. Do you want to start, Chris? Sure. I appreciate it. And so I, I got three cannabis experts on the crew tonight, so I'm sure you guys will go a little bit deeper than me. But, you know, selling, you know, generic ERP, it doesn't meet the requirements of the cannabis industry off the shelf, typically. And, I, and you're like, really? And if you think about the compliance and the regulations and the tracking, and I'm sure Jessica will have much more to add to that. But as you look at business process and the segmentation from grow operations to processing to distribution, or aka retail, and there's different systems from here to here. And if you think about the grow operations where, again, it's no different than typical ag, where you're doing a seed forecasting, you've got crop planning, you've got agronomy considerations. And, you know, so some of those systems, again, the standard ERP are like, well, where do I put that? How do I manage that process from just soil preparation and soil sampling and soil readiness? And then as you move forward, even procurement of seeds and, and different types of plants and, and tracing and authorizations and licenses. And so that's that front end of the process to get started. And again, when then you're measuring yields and outputs, and, and then you get into production and can you use a typical manufacturing system? So again, you look at Core ERP can handle manufacturing processes. So you have people turning these products into a variety of different outputs and uh, some of it's chemical process manufacturing simulations. Um, but again, then you get into the traditional back office, but now you turn into a distributor where am I managing a number of retail locations? And you're like, okay, great. So we're transferring product out to a retail site, but where does it get complicated? Cash, money management. You think about, wow, okay, how do I get paid for this? How do I move money around? So, I mean, I've got some real life scenarios. I got a group that's selling uh, CBD products on the internet and everybody's like, okay, what's what's the regs on taking credit cards on different types of cannabis products? And uh, again, what we see is in my examples is Canada-based operations for U.S.-based companies that are doing credit card authorizations over the, and you guys are shaking your heads. You're like, there is a way to do it. And so, you know, the e-com and Shopify, but we've got a credit card processor on the other side of the border. And, and so what you're hearing is complexity. And, uh, but again, as you look at the processes, there's different businesses throughout growing production, retail point of sale, cash management. So again, a lot of complexity. I'm going to stop there. We can add more. So. Okay, that's going to be so much fun. So obviously, our listeners are going to require some more colors there. Okay, I understand the payment process, you know, between Canada and the US. But what are the real challenges from the regulations perspective? Do you want to touch a little bit on that? I am not that deep in the regs. So I'm going to have to defer to, to one of the experts that's on the panel here. So 
Okay. All I know is that the deals that I've run in the state of Missouri, I've had to get third-party products that deal with the regulation compliances and licensing tracking and so forth. So a lot more documentation that has to happen on the front end of the processes. So I'm not intimate with some of the feature functionality. Like I said, I'll defer and I'm hearing what you guys have to say. So. Okay, amazing. And obviously, Dave is actually going to have a lot to say there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to think that, you know what, cannabis is definitely not agriculture. It's far deeper from the regulations perspective, from the process perspective. So, Dave, do you want to set the stage for the seed to sale process where it differs and, you know, maybe touch on the payment question as well? Yeah, yeah. I I think I'll build on what Chris said, because uh, a lot of great things uh, that came out of there uh, on the compliance side of things. Um, you know, that's where the, that, uh, the complexity starts, right? And there's three basic, um, you know, accepted compliance solutions in the marketplace today. You've got uh, Metric, BioTrack, and uh, Leaf, which uh, I'm sure Jessica will be happy to chat about, uh, considering it is part of her company. And on the compliance side of things, it's interesting Metric is the leader so far. Metric has taken a bit of a different stance in terms of their go-to-market. Their customer are state governments. They're very clear in their marketing. Um, so that's how they're attacking uh, or positioning themselves, I should say. And Biotrack and Leaf uh, have taken a bit of a different approach. And it's an interesting one where uh, they are looking at being uh providing services to both the state governments and to uh, the actual operators uh, of the cannabis industry. So um, BioTrack is, is pretty upfront with that kind of one solution, which is interesting. Leaf uh, has a little bit of a different uh, go-to-market, which I like uh, from a kind of subsidiary standpoint, uh, which I believe kind of gives them an edge in terms of being able to go to market uh, duly. And, you know, part of that reason that I think metric is kind of leading the charge one, they've been around, um, you know, quite a bit longer, but two, you know, it's very clear to define who their customer is. So I just wanted to throw that out there in terms of the compliance side of things. But as you get into the actual operations, uh, as Chris mentioned, you know, a lot of these companies, a typical off the shelf ERP is not going to suffice, especially a company that is vertically integrated. So they've got the entire supply chain uh, under licensure, under under one umbrella, if you will. Uh, so a typical ERP is not necessarily going to cover all of the uh, finer points uh, from an operation standpoint. And again, we go kind of into the weeds of that. But often what you find are what I would classify uh, as more of a industry specific software platforms. That's what I'm typically seeing the most out in the marketplace. And then beyond that, um, you know, I, I, I work most closely with cultivators. So in that space, from a system standpoint, you have additional considerations to be made when it comes to uh, monitoring of environmentals, HVACD your lighting, fertigation, irrigation. So all of that from a systems perspective, uh, you need to be able to not only operate that, but do something with the data uh, and be able to ultimately utilize the data you're getting to go back into the compliance. System. So I'll stop there. Very cool. Do you want to touch on the payment question? Uh, you know, what is the payment complexity? I don't know if you have experienced anything there, especially with US Canada regulation. I've not seen anything there because I, I, I personally have not uh, experienced any of the cross border. What I can say is uh, with the clients that I, I deal with and the people that I've talked to are mostly on the wholesale side of things. So they're not doing a lot of, um, you know, uh, POS payment processing uh, ongoing, uh, but it, there is complexity there. I know uh, the one client that I had, it was, uh, I'll say, a challenge to find a banking institution uh, because there are only a couple of banking institutions available that that really service this market. So it's a challenge, uh, not only on the payment side of things, but to just make sure that you that you keep in compliance on the record keeping side and the accounting side, and not just the cash exchange. All right, amazing insights there. Thank you so much, uh, Dave, for that. So Jessica, I'm actually gonna come to you. And obviously this is your world, right? So, you know, I'm simply asking you to set the stage for the seed to sale process, you know, where these guys are uh, really close in defining the seed to sale process, uh, where the complexity is. So do you wanna set the stage? Sure. And I, I, I think I'll just be adding to what uh, Chris and Dave have shared here in terms of setting the stage in that you can't just use another a, a traditional ERP straight out of the box. 
And, and that's why we've really focused on an ecosystem approach and building a compliance engine so that our applications can connect to pretty much all of the mainstream ERP uh, solutions. And with our, our, our most recent acquisition being 365 Cannabis, giving us that, that Microsoft suite uh, to add to SAP, NetSuite, and Sage that we already had. Uh, so when we think about seed to sale, we're thinking about, and in fact, here, here's a good example. This does not happen to be, see if we can blur it out, doesn't happen to be a cannabis-infused tuba chapstick. But if it were, or if I were holding a cannabis gummy, I would be able to tell you the farm on which those plants were grown, what was added to them during the growing process, when they were harvested, on what day, at what time, what the waste was, which is an important compliance requirement in most jurisdictions. And many of those compliance requirements have to be reported along the way to a state system. Uh, Dave mentioned, of course, we have a, a, a regulatory system uh, as well as uh, the others that are out there, uh, Metric uh, and Biotrack. We have Akerna Trace, which is our, uh, our new name for uh, leaf data systems. And after it's harvested, it goes to either packaging to be distributed to the retailer, or it might go to a manufacturing facility to be extracted into that cannabis essential oil, which is then infused into the infused product, which is then transported to a retail. And we can tell you when it was sold, on what day, at what location, and to whom, and every step that happened along the way, all the way to that farm it was grown on, and what the plants were, when it was grown, and what was added to those plants. And I want to just touch briefly on payments uh, because here in the U.S., due to the federal state conflict that exists and the fact that cannabis is still considered a Schedule One substance, Visa and MasterCard have been very, very clear, American Express as well, that they will not process cannabis payments. So there is no legal and compliant traditional credit card processing for cannabis. Now, hemp is a different story. But for cannabis, there is no legal traditional credit card processing. We hope that passage of the SAFE Act, uh, which will help address the, the banking challenges that Dave mentioned, we hope that that will rectify that. Uh, and in the meantime, there are a handful of compliant payment solutions uh, that are wallet-based, uh, like the apps you're used to using for some of your mainstream stores, like the Starbucks store, or uh, our partner Hyper, which has a compliant pin debit solution. So um, a cashless ATM, by the way, not a compliant solution. Uh, that's just tricking the bank to think that it was an ATM transaction when in fact it was uh, a, a, a transaction made at a cannabis retailer. So very, very, very interesting insight. So I don't know how many listeners are really going to be uh, familiar with the intricacies of the cannabis versus M and why those restrictions, let's say, exist for cannabis versus hemp. Do you want to touch a little bit more on that? Why do we have these restrictions and what is government really trying to do by having these restrictions so that they have a better view of the industry? Oh, my goodness. What a good question. Uh, and it's it's going to get uh, far more complicated from a political landscape, than, but I'll, I'll certainly be able to give a, a high level. Yeah, yeah. So in 2018, via the Farm Bill, the U.S. legalized hemp for uh, for national. Um, so they made a big distinction between, even though it's the same plant, but they made a distinction that hemp and uh, certain uh, percentage uh, percentages of the THC compound, and actually a specific piece of that, without getting too deep in the weeds, uh, are what classify it as hemp and legal under this farm bill versus cannabis which remains a Schedule One substance federally in the U.S. And actually, the FDA is supposed to be coming out with some, uh, some guidelines uh, for hemp and hemp cultivation. That has yet to happen. We're still, still waiting on that guidance. So in some ways, hemp is operating in a bit of a quasi-legal environment as well today. Uh, cannabis, let's be very clear, is illegal at the federal level in the U.S. today. There have been some uh, some bills passed, an appropriations rider, and uh, some memos that have come out that have that have said as long as cannabis businesses in the U.S. are operating in compliance with their state laws, the U.S. federal government will not intervene. But let's just be clear: it is it is currently there is a conflict uh, that exists between the almost 40 states that have passed some form 
of cannabis legalization here in the U.S. All right. Amazing insights there. Thank you so much, Jessica. So, Kerrigan, I'm actually going to come to you. So, in terms of setting the stage, uh, have you seen any sort of defenses? Do you agree with these guys? Do you disagree? What are defense process steps that you have seen? And obviously, you are going to have a little unique insight here because obviously, you are also in the Canadian market. So, you operate in Canadian market a lot more than the other folks except Abu, Abu is also, you know, uh, in the Canada market. So do you want to set the stage overall in terms of the process, the the roles, and uh, how many different steps are involved in the process? Yeah, I'm going to agree with everyone, what everyone said, but I'm in a little different space because we do, we do the end process where we test the product once it's about to go into the market. So the industries that I only deal with are the testing labs. So once the seed is ready for sale, it then has to get approved by FDA or Health Canada, and it comes into the labs for testing. Now, the issues and the processes where we have struggled with, mostly in the financial space, as well as in the testing space, is banking and insurance. Insurance has been a real hectic thing to get any of the Canadian insurers to insure the product where we had to go in and create a lock, the locking system where we had to create safe safety parameters to bring in the samples to be tested, where we had to create logs and stuff to get around it. But it creates its own challenges around it. Payments are yet another other issue where cross-border payments are literally none because the banks, there are few, very few handful of banks in Canada that are willing to transact on cannabis. And then again, since we do not have the online payment issue, I haven't gotten into that level of the retail side because we are more as a B2B B provider. So it's basically a bank transfer. Again. The testing doesn't get consolidated within a normal ERP flow. So you need to have a sort of limb system built in to do the testing because each of those testing comes with a different level of complexities as to based on what you're being tested. Are you being, are you testing food? Are you testing smoke? Are you testing vape? Each of those solutions are totally different in the way each is tested. If, you, if you're testing smoke or vape, each of those have to be smoked and waved 100 times, 50 times in different temperatures at different logins. And there are different challenges. And not to mention, yes, the legality kept in by Health Canada and FDA is such a high level. There are complications to each and every process that you run there. So as you get into the detail and you get into the weeds, you, you just sit and look and say, hey, it wasn't an easy process to get you it's never, ever easy when we talk about the business processes. I mean, they always get complicated when you really get deep into those. So thank you so much for bringing those. So I am actually going to have one follow-up question for you, and that is going to be related to your insurance content. So a lot of people might not be familiar with how insurance Componently really ties into your operational and the finances. Uh, in some cases, you know, people sort of understand that you probably need to buy insurance. But as such, what are the implications in your industry that you are seeing that actually throws off your operational or financial process? As I said, we are in the testing testing uh, industry. In the testing industry, you could test a product, and if you give it an okay to FDA or Health Canada, they release the product into the market. But if our testing happens to be wrong within that, there is a legality that is included into that, which, which could be very devastating to the entire company, right? Like there are, there are companies that have, have gone bankrupt with these wrong testing. So you absolutely have to insure yourself on all results that you provide just to make sure that you are backed up by what you deliver to, to the customer. Okay, very interesting. So I think, you know, one of these days we are going to have a topic to design an ERP system for those insurance companies because that could be a nightmare as well. Just to run that insurance companies to figure out, okay, how much commercial content am I going to have in the canvas? So thank you so much, Kerrigan, for that. So Abu, yeah. I'm actually going to come to you. <laughs> for your uh, perspective on C2Sale, do you want to set the stage? 
Do you agree with everything that has been said so far? Do you think there are any missing components overall from the process perspective that you have seen in your experience, the work that you do? Uh, sure. I mean, so I'll build upon um, what everyone has said. And I'm going to talk specifically about the Canadian regulation because that's where the expertise is. Uh, so from a Canadian perspective, you know, cannabis is federally legal. And while, you know, it brings its advantages being federally legal, it all, they have also introduced a lot of complexity in the processes. So, for example, one of the key things that Health Canada requires is you have to file every month CTLS reporting, which is the Cannabis Tracking and Licensing System. And it's a very, very detailed reporting of your inventory, essentially. You, know, you have to start from where you procured it to how you use it in different processes. And you know, if you have intermediates and if you're storing those intermediates, you have to report that as well, as well as uh, you know, who did you sell to, which provinces did you sell to. And you have to go down to the very exact level. So for example, if you grind cannabis and you have some wastage left over at the machine level, you just can't take it from the machine and throw it away. You have to actually track that wastage and then report it on a monthly basis to the, to the Health Canada. So that brings a lot of complexity into your process, you know, because you have to track each and every movement and you cannot make a mistake because you get audited frequently. And if you get, you know, if you're making a lot of mistakes, you know, over several months, there's a very potential of, you know, your license getting canceled. And once your license getting, gets canceled, obviously, you, know, you cannot do business. The other key complexity is come from the B300 reporting for the Canada Revenue Agency. They again track from a dollar's perspective how much you're buying, how much you're selling. And then they have a very complicated system of calculating the excise taxes. So the excise tax is based on the THC percentage and then it varies basically on the product type. So for example, if you are drawing uh, feedstock cannabis would have a different THC duty, excise duty calculation component to it. Versus if you're selling a cannabis 2.0 product, which is your edibles or your waves or your cartridges, it will be calculated very differently. Again, you know, if you're selling it to a different province in Canada, we have then an added complexity that each province has its own percentages and own excise duty calculation rules. So that's where a lot of those ERPs, you know, or your system, your traditional manufacturing or your food and beverage system would fail is that, you know, you cannot track it at that minute level or become very cumbersome to do uh, in a traditional ERP system. Once you go down to the retail world, again, a lot of complexity. If you're a retailer, you cannot buy directly from a processor. You have to go to the state boards to buy your product, and then you have to communicate with the state board. So it becomes a very complicated way of selling. So for example, if you're a processor, you're making wave cartridges, you want to sell to a retailer, they go via the state board, but you're marketing directly to those retailers, right? So you cannot communicate your demand to the processor. You have to go to the state board and that's where they buy it. The other thing is, you know, at the retail level, you know, there's complexities around tracking how much cannabis you sold to a you know, specific person. You have to capture the identity. Uh, you have to have very strong theft systems. All of that, again, you know, produces a lot of uh, complexity. Another thing on the cash cycle front is, you know, since you're doing the end retailers to the state board and they have a very long payment cycles. So typically in the cannabis world here in Canada, you'd have up to eight to nine months by the time you get cash back into this uh, as a grower. So, you know, that again adds a lot of complexity around cash flow planning and, you know, making sure your lines of credits and everything are in place to cover that uh, cash for the next eight or nine months. So again, you know, you talked about um, the payment side. So that again is very complicated. You know, as you know, most of the large payment processes, they're based out in the U.S., and, you know, as soon as they hear the word cannabis, they, you know, they would say, nope, <laughs> we're not processing it for you. So what has happened here in Canada, at least there are some government banks. So, for example, here in Alberta, you have the Alberta Treasury Board, which is a government, you know, the provincial government run bank. So they will help uh, process your credit card payments. So there are some ways around it, but, you know, it, it is expensive. You don't have a wide variety of choice. Uh, you know, it is very restrictive and you, there are lots of compliance requirements around it. So in that perspective, it's the government reporting, you know, a lot of which is similar to here, you know, to the U.S. state level reporting, which brings the complexity here in the cannabis world. Okay, very interesting. So I am going to have one follow-up question to you related to your comment related to these buying agreements that you have with the state governments. And I don't know how the contract process is going to be overall. I don't know if that is going to have a lot of nuances as well 
in terms of uh, getting that specialized functionality. Otherwise, you'll not be able to track that. So have you seen anything specific in terms of the way the contract is structured? I don't know if there are going to be any sort of pricing arrangement that they have uh, at the contract level that is going to be different from your traditional commerce. So basically, the issues come in the ordering systems. Um, you know, So the government board do not have that same level of pressure that an end consumer company would have, right? So their systems and processes you know, tend to be slower and bureaucratic, right? So if you're a company in a retail world and you want to move fast, you have to really follow the government board's ordering process, which can be slow and cumbersome. Um, so that, you know, introduces the complexity of, you know, satisfying your customer demand, anticipating the customer demand quickly enough, and then, you know, placing those orders, which becomes more difficult and cumbersome compared to a traditional retail space. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for that. So, Chris, I'm actually going to come to you for the next segment. And as you know, I mean, the next segment is going to be really the system interaction. And as you can see in the process, uh, we have a lot of different moving pieces. And when you have a lot of different moving pieces, it's always fun to design the architecture and the systems around that. So when you look at different systems as they are talking to each other, what are the challenges that you have seen? I don't know if you're going to have any specific story of how many components were involved how they spoke to each other, what was the source of truth, what were the challenges in the architecture? Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I mean, again, not, not naming any names. The one the one was they were a hemp distributor, so an online distributor, and that's why the, the Shopify Canada payment process. But as you look at just the, the disparity in systems that Jessica alluded to, for an integral operation, for example, the complexities in the technical architecture and, and monitoring, and you know, you're using IoT concepts and sensors to, to gauge a lot of, collect a lot of telemetry data on on the grow operation and so i have not had direct experience in connecting all those devices and sensors but you get the complexity of that and where do you drive that data and again it doesn't fit in an erp system so we know that there's an intermediate in terms of doing the analytics on grow operations so architecture sensors a lot of technical infrastructure for indoor operations a lot of automation if you think about that right you can't be people dependent but as you as you flow through to pos systems even that you don't have a lot of erp systems that have a point of sale system unless it's again industry specific and somebody's pitching a platform for the entire supply chain of the operation so but you do continue to bolt on and even the payment processors finding somebody that's compatible with what your your product line is and how do you manage the money and what's the what's the automation that's available there whether you have to go out of the country to get a bank or not so i don't have a lot of direct experience on those other pieces though sam so that's what i would share at this point so i am actually going to have one follow up question and sure. as you know uh, in the agriculture and the cannabis space there is a lot that is happening in the operational technology space and obviously that is going to be a different beast altogether that has different workflow, different processes. Obviously, they need a lot more data. And sometimes, you know, people are sort of biased with the operational technology. I'll tell you why. Because that actually helps them in closing the deals. Your ERP processes are great, but they, they don't necessarily care as much as they care for the operational technology. The more data that you are going to collect at the field level, the more data you are going to have at the product level, the more compelling your, your pitch is going to be, especially in the agriculture and the cannabis space. So from mm-hmm. your experience, do you see that the companies are really bringing this operational data into the ERP workflow or are they maintaining separate architecture for the operational technology? It's a it's a pre-extension of the ERP, whether you consider it a, a data warehouse or whether there's an app that's built onto it. And again, I'm not you know, I don't even know that the Cannabis 365 application has been extended to incorporate more of that front-end data into that process. So I'll have to defer on that detailed explanation. So, Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So, Dave, I'm actually going to come to you. Uh, do you want to share any specific story, you know, related to your experience of different systems that you have utilized and if you ran into any challenges when these systems actually spoke to each other? Yeah, I think kind of as Chris, you know, mentioned in their at least the majority of my experience, I've not seen a lot of communication uh, between systems. I'll give you one example. I'm uh, working with a a cultivator right now who is in the process of uh, identifying and and ultimately getting to the point where they're going to implement some operational control systems to uh, monitor and control their, uh, you know, really their entire uh, growing uh, rooms. So you're talking about the lighting control, the uh, fertigation and irrigation, the HVAC 
so they're monitoring all of that, uh, those environmental conditions, and then the uh, systems that they are uh, looking at currently uh, will also then ultimately control those. And all of that data, so all of that, you know, typically what you would see from, uh, let's say, a, a business intelligence standpoint that, you know, will be pulled from ERP uh, and analyzed through business intelligence, currently uh, all of that sits in basically a third party that has no interaction anywhere else. So it has, uh, you know, a siloed interaction in and of itself. It's capturing the data. It is analyzing the data. It's allowing you to control those individual, um, you know, pieces of equipment, if you will. But there is no other uh, communication happening uh, to a front end system, to uh, a compliance system. So everything from my experience has been very siloed. And I think even for the, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but even for the really large uh, cannabis companies that are vertically integrated, I would say at least based on the systems I've seen would be challenged to find one solution that, that uh, has the ability to communicate without doing some kind of uh, unique, <laughs> some unique solutions, let's call it, uh, to be able to achieve that. So um, yeah, that's that's where I would say. Okay, amazing. So, you know, since these systems are siloed, I'm going to have one follow-up question for you. Uh, and that is going to be, obviously, when you look at the processes that uh, Ibu was describing or Kerrigan was describing, that you really need to look at the inventory level. You need to track the wastage at each step. Now, that could be a lot of work. So I don't know how these guys are reporting, and I don't know if the compliance issues that we are going to have in the U.S. are going to be similar to Canada. But in Canada, there seem to be a lot of work that you need to put in to be able to report and to be able to comply. Otherwise, I don't know who's going to insure. Hopefully, you can find the insurance company that is willing to insure. So in your experience, when you look at these siloed systems, do you have to put a lot of work to be able to report or, or is it okay? No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, as you would expect. So first, I would say, based on what they said, that the U.S., uh, you know, regulatory compliance sounds very similar. Um, you know, the compliance systems require reporting on a regular basis. It It is very much, as Jessica kind of pointed out, that during that seed to sale uh, walkthrough, it, it really is every touch point. Uh, think chain of custody, right? That's the easiest way to say um, seed to sale uh, in this particular instance. And when it comes to the actual process part of it, uh, it, it's just a lot of manual touches, right? There are technology that you can implement within within the system. Um, you know, they have RFID, so you can you can implement that as part of your uh, technology scanning to be able to, uh, at least for the large movements of products, ins and outs. Uh, they have, you know, scales that you can put in line, so to speak, that will uh, speak to the metric system. Um, and uh, I'm in Michigan, by the way, so uh, metric is our uh, statewide uh, compliance system. So they do have some integrations uh, from that standpoint, but you're still talking about very siloed operations when it comes to uh, actually growing, taking care of the uh, product and then moving it into the, uh, you know, the, the kind of finishing, if you you will. So the uh, drying, the trimming, the additional processing before that product ultimately moves on to a dispensary or another processor to do extraction. Um, so that's the easiest way to think of it. There's a lot of manual touches in there because of the siloing of the systems. And although some workflow has been some some of that thought has been automated and, and given some uh, consideration by and large when you compare that to like a typical manufacturing operation uh, you're going to see a lot more manual touch points which again uh, with this potentially being a commoditized product down the road uh, the only way to drive that operational efficiency to drive costs down is to be able to address some of these challenges uh, and uh, you know, stateside in Michigan, we're more of a, a newly, uh, at least on the recreational side, more of a uh, newly accepted state. But take, for example, uh, California or Colorado, where they have been in this market for many years now, the price that they are selling uh, product at and where they need to be at in terms of cost of production, it's significant. Uh, so the only way to maintain margin is to drive that cost out like you would see in a typical ma manufacturing operation. But there's a real challenge there when it comes to the manual touch points. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for those insights. So Jessica, I'm actually going to come to you. So 
obviously your preference always is going to be, let's say if your system is going to be integrated with some of the other ERPs, uh, then it's all good. But I mean, when you are working with any of the customers, sometimes they are going to have their own preferences. And sometimes the interesting stories could be that, you know, they probably want to have their own custom system uh, ERP. So I don't know if you have any specific stories that you might be able to share overall in terms of integration exchanges of the data between the systems and if you have seen any issues either related to data integrity or just the way system communicated. Sure. And, you know, gosh, it's, it's a complicated uh, challenge as, as, uh, as Dave has, I think, outlined really well and some of the various steps along the way. Uh, and it's one we've been working to solve for a, a large number of years where we've been in business for 12 years now and we've built a really nice uh, ecosystem, a network uh, that connects uh, all of these API points. We have over 80 uh, integrated partners that connect to our API in some way. And so what that means for our clients who are, maybe they want to run their entire own ERPs and they don't want to use one of the ones for which we have these pre-built connections. That's great. We allow them to connect directly to our compliance engine. They can custom code to all of those endpoints and we can still provide the compliance pieces of checking in and reporting to metric in the states where metric is the, the state system or checking with a pharmacy to determine if it's a legal patient to whom you can sell, which is the case in some, some of our medical states. So by building that network and building those integrations, it's really a matter of, as a business is looking at their technology stack and at the ROI of their technology, is it worth it to run this particular piece in a manual way or is it worth it for them to connect it to our ecosystem and maybe access our aggregated reporting and some benchmark reporting and analytics, uh, access a choice of ERP so that they can continue to implement new accounting and tax planning systems as they grow. So we, we really try to provide that choice. Uh, and to provide the framework uh, for those various pieces to connect. And then, of course, we try to provide as many out-of-the-box connections as possible from which to choose, uh, but there will always be, to your point, uh, some some specific pieces. Uh, as long as it has uh, the ability to connect to the Internet, we can, we can bring it in in some way. Okay, amazing insights there. So I'm going to have just one follow-up question for you. So when you are working with these customers and the companies, what is the biggest technical challenge that you typically see working with them? The biggest technical challenge is the lack of investment in technology. Okay. So the and, and it's because our the cannabis clients have grown so rapidly. The we have clients that are doing, you know, two, three hundred million in revenue that were five million a few years ago, and they haven't necessarily invested in their technology along the way. And, and that is something that I think many of them are, are aware that they're underinvested and are evaluating how to put in place. And they're also tracking their growth rate and saying, okay, how do I think about going from five to 300? And where am I going to be in three years? What system do I need to implement and the time to implement it so that there's the ROI and I don't have to rip it out and replace it in three years? And we're having those conversations with most of our largest clients and uh, both in the U.S. and Canada because the, the industry really has grown so rapidly. And because of that, they're underinvested in technology. And that means a lot of manual processes and ultimately manual processes will lead to errors. Yeah, could not agree more. Thank you so much, uh, Jessica, for that. So, Kevin, I'm actually going to come to you for your story. So, obviously, as you mentioned, I mean, you have a very, uh, you are in a very interesting, uh, because when you talk about the LIMS integration, and I don't know how many people are going to be familiar with the LIMS integration, that's going to be a very, very, very thick integration. And unless the integration is pre-built, obviously, it's going to be very hard, because that is going to be very operationally connected, the way your operations are going to be structured in the laboratory space. So in your case, when you work with these systems, I don't know how many systems are going to be involved in the majority of the integration that you are working on. Do you Have you seen any issues when these systems are talking to each other, any sort of data integrity issues uh, that you have experienced uh, you know, when you are working with these systems? Absolutely, Sam. I would have to agree with Jessica. Uh, most of the companies that I've worked with are way behind in investing in IT technology. Their systems are so way behind because most of these limb systems are built in-house. 
you have very few operators in the market that have structured programs to basically test standard methods. And in the market, if you go to look at the lab testing, especially in the cannabis, there aren't very structured methods of testing cannabis. So most of it is in-house built methods that are then pre-approved either by FDA or Health Canada. Now, these in-house methods come with its own complications of manual work right from the COC till the COA gets generated, right? Now, there is data that gets transferred, which I've been working on with various APIs from the LIM system into the ERP, but it's not the ideal scenario because you're always working with band-aids around a wound that's ready to burst. Now, as your data starts growing, when you go from a 500,000 month company to a 5 million company, the bandwidth of which you're going to flow that data from your front end to your ERP stretches itself. And an API may not be the ideal connection to hold that bandwidth at that point of time. Because remember, the market is pretty new in cannabis. And everything that's revolving around the limbs is like if you take it's a 60-40 method where 60% is automated and controlled and you have 40% of manual labor that's going through it. So those are, those are the views that I've been seeing as I've been working through most of these process, processes where we have been trying to automate processes from inbuilt house systems. Yeah, so some very interesting insights there. And you made a very interesting comment that I am going to retouch on that. And hopefully you can provide some insight there as well. One of the things that we notice when we are talking to our customers, especially, you know, when we talk about integration, and obviously one of the sales answer always is going to be, hey, I've got APIs. <laughs> you know, I can connect with anything and everything because I've got APIs. But you made one of the comments that in this specific situation, the situation that you were describing that API may not be ideal solution for that. So do you want to build a little bit more on that? Why do you feel the APIs are not going to be best fit for every single situation? See, an API would, would connect what you tell, tell the system to connect. But if that data... How are, you going, how are you going to bring the data? Oh, what is the use of your data? Now, let, let's look at a simple example. You may, may want to dissect your analysis as, for example, is it related to, to a government testing or is it related to an R&D testing, all right? Or is it related for a product release? Unless and until your data comes in that form, the API is going to do what you tell it to do, right? Now, as your data grows within your front-end system, you should have the capability where you can dissect your data into different dimensions at the point of transaction. But if you cannot do that within your system, an API is just going to take a data dump from A to B. It's not going to dissect it in the way you want, to want the data to be read. Right. And as your data starts growing, your methods are going to start varying. You're going to have your own complications built into it, into how you can dissect that data. And that's where the challenges come in. Right. Is how do you want to analyze your data? And analyzing your front end data is the key step to figuring it out. Like, for example, at one point of time, they might might be a, a new new rule brought, brought up by FDA or Health Canada saying you can't use any more of your leaf products. Now, you wouldn't know that until you look at your data and say, hey, my testing on going down. So what, what is the next product level that I can jump to keep the same amount of revenue coming in? Right. And, and it's really crucial to understand the way your business is, business is functioning or dealing in a particular space. I hope I, I answered your question. Yeah. You did. Thank you so much. And by the way, MEC, you are absolutely right that, you know, API is probably not going to be answered for every single problem that you got. It's it's far more than that. The work is going to be required and that is probably going to be ever changing. So thank you so much uh, for that. So Abu, I'm actually going to come to you for your insights and the story that you have seen when you are looking at different systems. And in your case, I, we have had this conversation as well. 
that you are working with some of the companies that are going to be vertically integrated. If they are going to be vertically integrated, meaning they are acting as the laboratory as well as the, the cultivator or the grower, then obviously the process complexity is going to be far more. The system complexity is going to be far more. So in your experience, have you seen any sort of, uh, you know, data issues, the, the system talking issues uh, when you are dealing with these customers? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, you know, as some of our you know, panelists spoke about, you know, you have the sensor data on the front end of the system, you know, from, what, from our perspective, you know, that data is not as much acquired from a financial or a um, you know, supply chain perspective as perhaps, you know, the inventory data. But there are systems out there, for example, which specializes in that sen- evaluating that sensor data to optimize your plant production, and then they merge it with the inventory planning uh, and the inventory management. And there are very few systems out there which would merge both the inventory and the supply chain and the financial aspects. And that's where a lot of those issues come in. So people have those point solutions where, you know, they're managing the regulatory aspects and they're managing the, you know, the inventory management aspect. And then they're trying to, you know, in Excel sheets at month end, trying to compile all the financial information and report it to the CRA and CTLS. So if you're small, you know, that works out well, but you find out as soon as you grow, to any reasonable size, you know, that becomes extremely difficult to manage and to keep control of. So from our perspective, you know, that's one of the biggest gaps that we have seen is when people try to manage the financial aspects and the supply chain uh, separately. Coming to the limbs, um, you know, one of the things that's very different in the cannabis world is you need third-party certification on your cannabis product for THC percentage, for example. So what that means is there's a big stop in the process. So once you have produced your, you know, for example, wave cartridges or any distillate, you have to send it to a third party to verify whatever THC percentage is there in that product. And what that does is it introduces an eight-day delay. You know, unless you get the results, you can't sell it. So right now, there are no integrations available between these third-party companies and your ERP system, which would, you know, flow the information right away from them over to your ERP system or vice versa. Uh, again, you know, your ERP system and your LIMS in-house system are, again, not integrated. Then you go to the downstream, the retail side of the business, where your POS is not integrated to the ERP systems. Uh, your purchasing, for example, your state boards, they are not integrated to your POS system. They're not integrated to your supply chain, like ERP systems. So all of that creates a lot of manual work uh, in between, which, you know, creates a lot of in-process inefficiency. What we have done is, you know, we're trying to take one or two verticals. So one is the extraction, the processing, and, you know, the, the retail vertical and try to integrate as much information as possible for reporting purposes, for example, CTLS and B300 and integrating, you know, POS with the ERP system. Okay, very interesting. So I'm going to have just one follow-up question for you, and that is going to be your comment related to the inventory and inventory and the sensor data that is being integrated with the inventory and all of these things could be very, very, very cross-functional. And sometimes it's very hard to determine who really owns that data. Now, when you look at the IT versus OT argument and OT meaning operational technology versus IT, sometimes in the Industry 4.0 community, when you talk to them, they get really religious in terms of who should be the custodian. Because from their perspective, you know, they always want to have control of that data. So in your experience, do you set the boundaries between the, the operational technologies versus IT? Do you feel that the inventory data should reside in the operational world if it is going to be more relevant to them versus keeping in the financial world or in slightly more ERP world? So what would be your perspective on that when you are uh, uh, looking at this data yeah. and keeping this yeah. So when we go and propose solutions, we always want an integrated system where the inventory data, for example, the quantity has to be, uh, the accuracy has to be ensured by the operational world and the financial accuracy has to be ensured by the finance department, right? So for example, if you're purchasing 100 kilograms of cannabis at $10 a kilogram, then the operational control should be in there so that you know, that $10 kilogram of cannabis is tracked throughout the system in your inventory value, right? But ensuring that you have received 100 kilograms, how much you have used in the process, how much additional work you have done on it, that resides with the operational team because they are the ones who are generating that data. So we believe the people or the department that generates the data should be owners of that data and be responsible and accountable for it. Very interesting. So the only thing we can take right now is going to be closing advice. So Chris, what would be your closing advice? Sure. I mean, get an industry expert. I mean, I'm going to tell you that. that We all heard that you can't go grab off-the-shelf software and, and do this. And I think, you know, as you do your due diligence to that point, find an industry 
specialist line of business application. I think the first thing I was going to say is figure out what business are you in? Are you in the grow operation? Are you in processing? Or are you in retail? Or are you in testing? Because that's going to impact your systems. And I think the other thing you have to do is your capital planning, figure out what you can afford. Crawl, walk, run, right? You, you can't, you want to do everything? Great. You may be well-funded. I think that's it. Focus on the best of breed applications that fit the industry, deliver the compliance because you can't come back later, replace the systems and reset. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So, Dave, I'm actually going to come to you. So, I mean, obviously, you can offer closing advice if you have any agreement or disagreement from the panel. You can touch on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody had fantastic insights, and uh, this was a really great panel. Very, very uh, insightful. And uh, in terms of closing advice, kind of building on what Chris said, uh, you know, from my standpoint, one of the biggest challenges uh, is again, understanding what business you're really in. So once you get beyond that and, uh, you know, getting that industry expert, somebody that can help guide you through this process of identifying uh, what some of the capital requirements are going to be, as well as what some of the operational systems are. Uh, I would also say, you know, don't be afraid to look outside of the cannabis space in terms of uh, similarities. I see a ton of similarities, uh, again, because I, I work with a lot of uh, growers and cultivators to manufacturing. And so there's a lot to be learned from the operational infrastructure of a manufacturing facility and bringing that into a cultivating facility. So I, I would say that's a great place to start for people that are, are trying to learn more and trying to expand from a systems perspective. Okay, amazing advice there. Thank you so much, uh, Dave, for that. So Jessica, I'm going to come to you. If you have any agreement, disagreement with the panel, you can touch on those or you can offer closing advice for our listeners. I think I'll just uh, offer offer a few words here to to build on what's been said by other panelists and and throughout the panel and and, and that really comes back to I think this word that has come up again and again and again which is compliance compliance is table stakes so you've got to take care of that first select a partner application that you know can help you meet compliance and then I guess I would add to this discussion of of ROI any good piece of software should provide more value than it costs. And you need to evaluate that each step along the way and so ideally select something that can grow with you as your business grows. Yeah, could not agree more. I think in cannabis space, the compliance is going to be a key and that's where your dollars are going to be. Thank you so much, uh, Jessica, for that. So, Kevin, I'm actually going to come to you. Do you have any agreement, disagreement with the panel? If you have any closing advice that you can offer to our listeners? I don't disagree at all with the panel. I think I have learned a lot in, in this one hour, and I've got to thank everyone on this panel. This is information that I never had 60 minutes back. Thank you very much for that. The only closing advice that I would have is know what business you want to be in. You've got to understand what your end goal is, where you want to be, and what you want to because there's a lot of moving pieces to a cannabis business. You can start with the growth. You can start with the retail business. You can start with even storing. You can start even with financial. It all depends on what space you, you want in and what market segment you want to catch in. And that is extremely important before anyone gets into this business. Could not agree more. In fact, I mean, the more business models that you are going to add, you know, the operational complexity is going to be far higher. The system complexity is going to be far higher. So when you are trying to vertically integrate, think of your operational and the system costs as well, not just the opportunity that you are looking for. Obviously, the opportunity could be lucrative, but you need to look at that as well. So Absolutely. on that note, Abu, I'm actually going to come to you for your agreement, disagreements, if you want to cover anything from the panel or if you have any closing remarks that you might be able to focus. Sure. I mean, so in my opinion, cannabis world, you know, it combines, you know, from the take from the food and beverage industry and as well as the pharmaceutical industry, right? It combines both of them together, some aspects at least. So what that does, at least here in Canada, the very compliance heavy um, regime uh, for a cannabis operator. You have the health agency you have to report to. You have the very stringent requirements of CRA. It's extremely important to have the right processes in place from the get-go. If you don't have it and you get audited and they find a serious issue in your reporting processes, they can cancel your license and it can cost you a business. So in my opinion, it's really important to have the right systems processes in place right from the get-go. Could not agree more. I think compliance is the keyword for the panel and then obviously the process simplification. 
is going to be the key as well if you don't want to lose your license on that note that's it for today if you join for the first time this was part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every thursday at 5:30 uh, pm eastern we pick one topic related to digital transformation and we always have a very exciting panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom so make sure you guys are not going to miss next week's show we are going to be here on that note i want to thank everybody for their time and insights. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thanks Sam. New people. Thanks. Thanks. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully, you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Garadini, head over to turnkeytech.com. It's T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. If you want to learn more about Abu Asif, head over to Penny management.com it's p-a-n-n-i-m-a-n-a-g-e-m-e-n-t.com if you want to learn more about jessica billingsley head over to akarna.com it's a-k-e-r-n-a.com if you want to learn more about kerrigan morris follow and connect with him on linkedin links and more information will also be available in the show notes if anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Dave Chrysler, who shares his insights into the nuances of the cannabis market and value chain. Also, the interview with Lisa Anderson, who shares her insights on why it is important to be directionally correct with sales and operations planning. Also, don't forget to subscribe and respect the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments, about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.